You're listening to Mystery Still Unsolved, a podcast where we discuss unsolved mysteries, both past and present. I'm your host, Rochelle. Today, we will discuss the legend of the Chupacabra. so much for joining us here at Mystery Still Unsolved. Whether you are a veteran or you, this is your first time, welcome. Um, I can't believe it's already been a week since the last time that I was speaking at you. I wish I could say speaking with you, but this is a one-sided medium. So I'm speaking at you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been a week already and oh, what a week it has been, y'all. Uh <laughs> At the end of the year, I'm going to stockpile the last 52 weeks. And this week, this past week that I just endured, will definitely be sorted into the crap pile. It was not good. Um, It all started last week when my son came home and he is in preschool and he is just bringing home germs left and right. It doesn't help that preschoolers don't understand the concept of germs. They don't understand that they shouldn't put their freaking hands in their mouths. It's been a struggle this year, you guys. And I feel like he has another year of preschool and I feel like it's going to be the exact same next year. Um, So he was sick, which wasn't fun because not only did I have a kid that both like wanted my affection, but also wanted to cough in my face and scream at me. Um, Then because he coughed in my face, I got sick over the weekend and it made me miss out on this really fun girls trip that I had planned with my BFFs. We'd been planning since January to go and see the show in Vegas and then I couldn't go because I had the freaking flu. Sucked. And then um, Rylan got sick yesterday. My daughter, she called me from school and she said that she had like barfed all over the place. Sorry, that's probably TMI. Um, But when I picked her up, she was like crying and I guess she didn't like make it to the bathroom before she threw up. So she was just like mortified. And I was like, girl, I get it because I'd be mortified too if that happened to me. But this is the thing. Kids are so annoying and resilient because Vance was literally sick for like three or four days Rylan was only sick for like literally three hours because the girl like took a three hour nap and then wanted to go on a bike ride. And then I was sick for like a full week. It's not fair. It's not fair. You guys, I thought I had more time. Okay. I thought that all these like not, you know, getting sick all the time or like actually getting sick all the time and all these like ailments and like going to bed and waking up with a sprained ankle somehow I thought that that all happened like in your 40s. Nobody told me that I did not have as much time as I thought I did. So I feel like I got seriously gypped. (sighs) I'm going to be salty about it for a long time, you guys. So I'll probably talk about it again. Long gone are the days when I could have a guacamole burger from Carl's Jr. at 2 a.m. And then like wake up at 8 and be like, I'm fine. Let's go get some French toast. Uh, now I can't even eat anything after like seven or eight o'clock or I have like the worst heartburn of all time. <sighs> it's okay. Aging is a good thing. Not everybody can do it. So I'm going to try and be grateful for it in some weird, sick, twisted way. Okay. So 
Moving on, uh, I just wanted to catch you up on a little bit of my life. Um, in honor of the upcoming Cinco de Mayo holiday, which is on Friday, by the way, I thought it would be fun to discuss the legend of El Chupacabra. The Chupacabra is an interesting animal in cryptozoology, and it tends to be found predominantly in Mexico, the southwestern United States, and Puerto Rico. All three types of chupacabras have similarities, but they also have variations. Today, we are going to discuss all of that, plus we will discuss some first-person accounts. Not from me, from other people. But before we get into all of that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. But don't worry, it's just a little bit. A little bit of Alexa. <laughs> a little bit of Alexa housekeeping. If you do not know what I'm talking about, you guys need to watch Shit's Creek ASAP. It is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, if you're not following me on Instagram at Mystery Still Unsolved, you totally should. There you can DM me a case suggestion, comment on the photos I post of cases, join me on lives or stories, and you can be the first person to hear all the behind the scenes news and know about all the giveaways that I host throughout the year. And just so you know, I am planning two, count them, one, two giveaways coming up in the summertime. One is going to be in July for my third year podcast anniversary. Can you believe it? And in August, it's my birthday and I want to celebrate with you guys. So you know that I always like, I will be getting gifts and I will be bestowing gifts upon all of you, my lovely friends. So you're not going to want to miss out on that. Trust me. So make sure that you're following me on Instagram at mystery still unsolved. If Instagram is not your jam, no problem. I have a website. It's www.mysterystillunsolved.com. There you can binge my now 110 episodes. You guys, this is crazy. Okay, by the way, I wanted to speak on this. So if you go onto your Apple podcast or your Spotify or you go to my site and you're only seeing 100 episodes on your queue, don't worry. Apparently like the first 10 episodes that I ever did back in like 2020, it was gone for a little bit and I'm in the process of fixing that. So basically what happened in a very quick nutshell is that I needed to, I needed to upgrade my account to host more than 100 episodes and I've already done it. I did it on Monday. Um, and they just said that it was going to take like maybe three to five days to like get everything synced. Um, so Maybe by the time that I po uh, like post this podcast, it won't even be a problem. It will be like a non-issue. But just in case, if you're listening, we may be on the cusp right now, but it should be, you know, sorting itself out. Um, but I did want to give you guys a heads up just in case that it hasn't been updated. Okay. Also, I have a Patreon where you can donate monetarily to the podcast. Donating to the podcast helps me make upgrades like the one that I just mentioned. Um, as I continue to grow, there's just going to be like a little bit more money that I'm going to have to spend. And that's totally fine. Like this is my passion. This is my love. Like I am totally happy to put my own money into it. But a lot of you guys had asked like, how can we support you other than just, you know, listening and sharing with friends? And that is a way. So don't feel pressured. It's not required. But it's an option if that's something that you'd want to do. Um, I 
I'm not going to like talk too much about the patron program because it is kind of like a lot, but I will share with you one of my favorite perks of being a patron member. And that is each and every month you will get a bonus VIP only episode. And I'm currently working on May's and June's and you guys not to toot my own horde or anything, but it's going to be good. That's all I can say. Very interesting topics I've been wanting to cover. Uh, so we're going to be covering those over there. Your ears will love you if you click on that link in the show notes and sign up to be a patron member. It's guaranteed. And, you know, it's not very much. I know that some of you guys are worried like, oh, I, I don't know if I can spend that much. You can spend as little as $1 and get a bonus patron episode each and every month. We have a $1 tier, a $3 tier, and a $5. Um, and then you can be part of this amazing community. You can get bonus content. It's awesome. Okay, so we're all done with housekeeping now, and we can move on to the chupacabra. Okay, so first off, chupacabras. What are they? And this question, like most we ask on this podcast is easier asked than answered. If chupacabras had a Facebook status, it would indeed be complicated. <laughs> uh, the Spanish translation of chupacabra is roughly goat sucker. And the name comes from the animal's reported vampirism. There are many accounts of some unknown, possibly mystical creature attacking and drinking the blood of livestock, including goats. Many of these accounts are blamed on a creature called the chupacabra. No matter what way you slice it, the chupacabra is a fearsome animal, but how it looks and how they behave varies. Because what I've gathered from learning about chupacabras this past week is that it really depends on location. The thing that makes chupacabra different from other cryptids is that it is actually a fairly new cryptid. Um, it was only brought into the public quite recently. So in the 90s, stories of these blood-sucking creatures came out of the teeny tiny island of Puerto Rico. And since then, the reports of sightings around the world have simply skyrocketed, leading many to believe that the chupacabra isn't going anywhere anytime soon. So like I said, there are three main areas that have legends about the chupacabra. Mexico, the southwestern United States, and Puerto Rico. In Mexico, a chupacabra is described as a reptile-like creature. It's depicted as having scaly greenish-gray skin and sharp spines or quills running down the length of its back. It is said to be approximately three to four feet high and stands and hops in a fashion similar to that of a kangaroo. More like an effed up Frankenstein kangaroo, but yeah, a kangaroo nonetheless, just creepy as hell. I certainly don't want to run into one of those in the middle of the night when I'm taking out my garbage or something. In Puerto Rico, the chupacabra is described as still being scaly, a bit reptilian, but it's actually like a little bit more than that. They describe it as almost being out of this world. Like the descriptions are much more alien-esque in nature. Um, their red glowing eyes are described as being large, off-kilter, almond-shaped. Think like 
a 1950s depiction of an alien with an almost dinosaur-like head. Um, In the southwestern United States, chupacabras are described way less reptilian and I guess more mammal or marsupial. They claim that their chupacabras are covered in fur or hair or even in some regions they're described as being bald almost passing off as some sort of dog with mange or like a jacked up coyote or hyena looking thing. They do not stand nearly as tall as their Mexican and Puerto Rican cousins. And the Southwestern United States version of the chupacabra usually walks on all fours rather than on their hind legs. In Texas, they're even referred to as, quote, the blue dogs, end quote, because their elephant hide covering mimics the blue-gray color of elephants. So, before we get into the reported accounts, I wanted to talk briefly on what kind of piqued my interest in discussing them today of all weeks. First off, like I said, Cinco de Mayo is coming up around the corner and the chupacabra being a very important part of Mexican folklore and legend, I thought it'd be a little fun. But also, I was recently watching episodes of The Unexplained with William Shatner for the gazillionth time. I love that show. And there is a wild account from a woman living in Texas that really got me excited to research and record this podcast episode today. So basically what happened is in Cuero, Texas, there was this woman and she's named Phyllis Canyon. She had recently purchased a few dozen chickens when she began making a series of gruesome discoveries inside of her hen house. Two weeks after getting the chickens, she opened the hen house to find that one of her chickens was on the ground dead. First off, she found the very fact that the chicken was even still in the hen house to be unusual because if we know anything about predatory behavior, we know that an animal will typically kill its prey and then retreat with it to its little hidey hole or safe place to eat it. Over the next few days, Phyllis collected the remains of 27 more of her chickens each one killed in the same inexplicable fashion. Every one of them had been bitten into into in the thorax area. The feathers where the bites were were missing, and it appeared that her chickens had been drained of all of their blood. So, whatever it was that was attacking her chickens, unlike the typical predator, wasn't interested in the meat of the chicken it was only interested in the blood. Phyllis was new to the Cuero, Texas region. So after speaking to several neighbors about these weird attacks on her chickens, all of them agreed. Phyllis had a chupacabra on her hands. Phyllis was finding this very hard to believe, but one Saturday morning, she became a believer. Okay, so Phyllis was at home. It was 7 o'clock in the morning, and she gets a call from her neighbor. And her neighbor tells her that a strange animal near the property had just been hit and killed by a car. And they were sure that it was the culprit behind Phyllis's dead chickens. Phyllis rushed over to the scene. She brought the animal, the dead animal, back home in her truck. She cut a 50-pound feed sack in half and laid the animal on top of the feed sack and took a picture of it to give people a scale of the size of this creature. 
when I saw the picture, it looked like this really, like, it didn't even look sickly, but it just didn't have hair. So it looked like a dog, but with a much longer snout. And it did have kind of like that elephanty hide looking skin to it. Okay, so Phyllis was super intrigued by this discovery, and she even went so far as to pay money out of her own pocket and send tissue samples of the creature for DNA analysis. Weeks later, because DNA is not quick, it is not like how they depict it in movies or shows, Phyllis got her results, and those results left her with even more questions. When they called, they said, quote, well, it's coyote on the maternal side, and it's Mexican wolf on the paternal side, end quote. So it was therefore a hybrid species. Most people believe that hybrid animals do not or cannot exist in nature, that if they do occur, it is because of some weird backwoods or under-the-table lab experiment. So if we accept the fact that this hybrid even occurred, then we have to be open to the possibility that there may be other hybrids out there that we just don't know about. And that leaves the door open to other instances of cryptids. Also, the animal in question was part coyote and part Mexican wolf. We know this. However, what we don't know is why was it draining the blood of its prey? That is not typical behavior of either a Mexican wolf or a coyote. So why would it be doing that? Back to this idea of hybrids being found in nature. Some would say it's impossible. They just refuse to believe. But we actually have video and photograph evidence of the contrary. One of the most compelling creatures to prove that it is possible to have a hybrid species just be created naturally is the thylacine or the Tasmanian tiger. So the thylacine or the Tasmanian tiger is basically a combo of a tiger and a marsupial creature. These animals used to be considered legendary in Australia and Tasmania. Um, They were often depicted in ancient hieroglyphics hieroglyphics as a mythological creature until one day humankind found one and captured it. And they had it like at a zoo. The last living specimen of its kind died in 1936, but not before we photographed, filmed, and tested the ever-living crap out of it. And I'm going to post some pics of a Tasmanian tiger on the Instagram for your viewing pleasure. And I will even post um, a little clip of it just like walking around its cage. It's so creepy. So the thing that's really cool about the Tasmanian tiger is that it could open its mouth. It had like this unhinged jaw and it could open its mouth like almost the same uh, width of a snake. So you know how like a snake can like unhinge its jaw and eat something huge? It was like that, but it's like a tiger marsupial looking thing. So it's really like off settling and like off putting, Um, but I love it. Okay, so like I said, the last living specimen died in 1936. However, even since that time in 1936, there have been thousands upon thousands of sightings of more thylacines leading us to question, are they really extinct or are they still out there among us? All right, 
So now let's learn about some firsthand experiences from people around the world. In 1975, a series of livestock killings in the small town of Moca, Puerto Rico, were attributed to El Vampiro de Moca, the Vampire of Moca. Initially, it was suspected that the killings were committed by a satanic cult, because remember, 80s, 90s, satanic panic. Later, more killings were reported around the island, and many farms reported loss of livestock life. Each of the animals was reported to have had its body bled dry through a series of small circular puncture wounds. The first reported attack, eventually attributed to the actual chupacabras, occurred in March 1995. Eight sheep were discovered dead in Puerto Rico, each with three puncture wounds in the chest area and reportedly completely drained of blood. A few months later, in August, an eyewitness named Madeline Tolentino reported seeing the creature in the Puerto Rican town of, I'm going to slay this, I'm not going to do good, uh, (laughs) Canovanas, where as many as 150 farm animals and pets were reportedly killed. And just so you know, half of my ancestors are going to roll over in their grave because their Hispanic granddaughter cannot pronounce Spanish words. Sorry. Uh, Puerto Rican comedian and entrepreneur Silvero Perez is credited with coining the term chupacabra soon after the first incidences were reported in the press. Shortly after the first reported incident in Puerto Rico, other animal deaths were reported in other countries. In October 2019, a video recorded by Mundo Avni showed the results of a supposed attack on his chickens in the (laughs) Seberuquillo sector of Lares, Puerto Rico. In the video, a group of people can be seen walking through the rainforest. A man claims that around 3 a.m. he awoke to the sounds of screaming. In the morning, they woke up and checked it out. Which, why did you wait so long? What if it was a human? But maybe it sounded more animal-like. They just didn't, like, elaborate on it. But I'm like, I would be terrified if I woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning and heard screaming outside. Whatever. Different time, different time. Many of their livestock had been killed, all with puncture marks on their neck or back, and appeared to be sucked dry of blood. I will link the video in the show notes. One of the creatures was supposedly caught by a man named David Hewitt. David said it was something unlike he had ever seen before. According to Hewitt, from a distance, it looked like a giant hairless chihuahua, which honestly sounds scary enough in itself, but if you can believe it, it gets wilder. He said, quote, the claws, toenails, nothing like I'd ever seen on a coyote. Skinny, pointed tail, sure looked like an overgrown possum to me. Never seen any kind of animal that didn't seem to have any hair on it, end quote. Which, sir, have you heard of these wild things called naked mole rats? But it's okay. I think I know what he meant. Like, I think that he meant like he'd never seen a creature that large that didn't have hair on it that looked like it was supposed to have hair on it. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. A golfer in South Carolina took photos of an animal that he stumbled upon on the golf course. And I had no idea that the chupacabra had made its way over to the East Coast. So I thought it was mainly like a Southwest thing. So 
This encounter actually really surprised me, but in a good way. So basically, he took some pictures and he posted it on his Facebook with a hashtag, that ain't no dog. So some scientists looked at the picture and claimed that it was a coyote suffering from mange. And before I saw the picture, I must admit that I kind of was on the side of not believing that it was a chupacabra either, simply just because of the proximity. And I don't know, I feel like you always have to be weary of when people claim to see something, you like want to see it for yourself. However, after I saw the picture, my eyes have seen the truth, y'all. And now I know that ain't no dog. (laughs) Um, I'll post it in the Instagram for you to see. I had dogs growing up. And I think even if I had completely shaved my dog, there is no way that it would look like this animal. Uh, The thing that really got me was the length of the creature's tail. It's completely disproportionate to the body. The tail is basically as long as the dog's entire body, if not longer. So it looks real, real weird. (laughs) It almost looks like a bald dog and a kangaroo like got together. It's ugly. (laughs) Part of me thinks that the scientists told the public, it's a dog or it's a coyote with mange. Uh, Just to kind of like shut us up. Like they just don't want us talking about it anymore. In 1995, a woman in Puerto Rico by the name of Madeline Tolentino reported seeing a peculiar creature outside of her mother's home. Madeline said that she saw the creature and she screamed at the sight of it. The creature then ran back into the jungle. Madeline said that the animal was long-limbed, earless, with a spiny back and huge eyes. Madeline met with a known UFO researcher of the time and helped him to come up with a sketch of the creature. After doing so, 200 similar sightings were reported in Puerto Rico alone. And I don't know if you've ever been to Puerto Rico, if you know anything about Puerto Rico, but it's not very big. It's about a three-hour drive from one side of the island to the other. So that is a lot of sightings coming from a very small area. You also have to take into account that Puerto Rico hosts a vast, lush rainforest, El Junque, which helms the beautiful bioluminescent bay, the supposed home of the Fountain of Youth, remember like Ponte de Leon, and honestly, like who else knows what's in there. Like there's could be tons of stuff in there that we don't even know about. A year after Tolentino's sighting, the first reported sighting came out of Miami, which is basically, in my opinion, Puerto Rico Jr. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) eyewitness accounts peaked at an all-time high in 1995, perhaps because this creature was discovered in the 90s during a period where we had the internet, the stories, The first-person accounts, the conspiracies, the panic, and the mystery were just like running rampant because they were available. Many people believed that the chupacabra was an experiment gone wrong. Other people believed it was an alien, which makes sense because as we've talked about on a previous episode about the Bermuda Triangle, um, Puerto Rico is one of the points of the Bermuda Triangle. So it would make sense that people would just naturally chalk up this mysterious out-of-this-world kind of vampire creature to being an alien. Even more believable is the alternative theory that the chupacabra is nothing more than the physical embodiment of God's wrath. And speaking as the daughter and granddaughter 
of women in Latin heritage. I can totally see this as a possible explanation of anything in the Latin culture that is seen as different, weird, or unsavory to the madres, abuelas, and donas. <laughs> anything that they don't like, anything that makes them feel some type of way, anything that they're not vibing with is going to immediately be written off as El Diablo because, sure, why not? <laughs> Uh, like I remember one time I was like, was wearing a shirt. I would think I was like maybe like 12 or something. And when I was 12, like low rise jeans were super in and crop tops were in and, you know, showing your belly was El Diablo. Of course, he's trying to get you. He's trying to get you. He likes those navels. <laughs> he's trying to get you. Uh, but there may be another explanation of the Chupacabra sightings, particularly the sightings in Puerto Rico, the most alien looking of the three descriptions. In 1995, a movie named Species came out, and apparently it was huge in Puerto Rico. Um, wasn't really huge anywhere else, but in Puerto Rico, they really gravitated towards it. Um, and this movie features an animal alien hybrid that looks remarkably similar to the Puerto Rican version of the Chupacabra. I'll post a pic on the Instagram for your comparison. It doesn't look exactly the same and it's not the same color, but it kind of has like similar features to it. And many people thought that the influence of the movie may have just had people like creeped out in general. So when they heard or saw something suspicious, it was just immediately assumed to be a species-like creature, perhaps due to, like, I don't know, like, mini mass hysteria. Think, like, I don't know. Like, this makes me think of uh, in 2020 when all those killer clowns came out in preparation of the movie It. So, what do you make of all this chupacabra business? I really want to know. Do you think it's a legend or do you think it's for real? Do you know... I mean, did you know that there were so many descriptions of a chupacabra? I only knew about the canine looking one. I had never even heard about the reptilian or the alien one, which is weird because I'm half Puerto Rican and literally had never heard anything about it. I was actually talking to my mom about the chupacabra. I asked her if she wanted to be on this episode because I was like, oh, well, do you want to be on this episode? Because we're going to be discussing the chupacabra and it originated in Puerto Rico. And I was getting really riled up because my mom was just like, oh, I don't know if I should be on that episode because I don't know anything about chupacabras. And I was like, what? This is like a creature that like your people discovered and like made huge in popular culture and you don't know anything about it like what's wrong with you you need to turn in your Puerto Rican papers it wasn't until I started doing a little bit more digging that I realized what a young cryptid and legend this is I mean in 1995 I was five my mom was already living in New York for like almost a decade so it totally makes sense now why she wouldn't know anything about it um but I should ask her still if she remembers hearing anything from her brother, sister, or her mom who were still living in Puerto Rico in 1995. Um, I mean, if I, I mean, I'm living in Utah and you can bet your butt if there was a rumor that there was some sort of alien like dog or creature killing things and sucking its blood in New York there would be a phone call <laughs> and there would be a conversation. So I'll have to ask her and then I'll update y'all on stories or something. 
All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I love getting a chance to sit and chat with you all at least once a week and talk about all this fun stuff. Seriously, one of my favorite highlights of the week. You all are amazing. Thank you so much for being part of this wild passion that I have. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. Do you want to know how to better support this podcast? Of course you do. Follow me on Instagram at Mystery Still Unsolved. Go to my website, www.mysterystillunsolved.com. Leave me a review right now on Apple Podcasts, like right now, right after you're done listening to this, write me a review because like I said last week, um, the kind of Instagram guru guy told me that if you get a bunch of people to post a review for you all on the same day, that that will really like put your podcast up in the queue. So right after you're done listening to this podcast episode, go leave me a review. It would mean so much to me. I'm trying to get as many true crime fans as I can to start listening to my podcast. And this will just be a great help for me. And it's free. It's free for you to do. And it maybe takes like what, like three to five minutes, three to five. You can do that. Tell a true crime loving friend or family member about me also. And don't think you can only tell family or friends. You don't have to just tell family and friends. You can tell people that don't like you. Tell your enemies. Tell your haters. Tell your nemesises. <laughs> Is that a word? Nemesises? No, that can't be a word. Nemesi? Nemesi. <laughs> That's not right either. Oh, well, you know what I mean. I want everyone to know about mysteries still unsolved, but the best way to support this podcast would be to join me next week when together we'll discover, did anyone ever place a useful tip? Has justice prevailed? Or is the mystery still unsolved? <laughs>